0: Welcome to Rugged Rants, a tough and at times a bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes. I'm your host, Barry Ross, and today's segment is FinTech. Our guest is Jennifer Byrne, co-founder and president of Kesney. She has over 20 years experience in business development and launching new products at companies like American Express, my favorite, Verizon, CBS, and EMI. Today she's going to share insights on financial technology or FinTech how fintech is changing finance, banking, and related industries, and what companies need to know about implementing fintech technology. So welcome, Jen. Thanks for uh, joining. Welcome to our studio. Uh, So let's start. Um, So how did you get involved in financial tech or fintech?
1: Well, first, thanks so much, Barry, for Uh, having me uh, join the podcast today. great. Great to be here. Um, So back in the uh, early days of mobile uh, is when I first got exposure to financial technology. Uh, we were looking at monetizing the Verizon data network and started right. to research value-added services and um, use cases that would leverage mobility. So um, obviously we were part of the team that started looking into launching what a mobile wallet and payment instrument would look like. And so I started to learn a little bit about it and back in the Verizon days. And then uh, American Express came calling to ask me to join them right. to launch... Uh, a new mobile product that would cater towards uh, to millennials and digital natives that really wanted a mobile-centric experience for payments and saving and sharing uh, the cost of uh, splitting a bill, for example. So um, had a great couple of years at American Express helping launch the product called Serve. And um, from there, decided that I would launch Kesne to really bridge the gap between financial institutions and startups.
0: Wow, and it's funny you said mobile wallet. I haven't heard that term in like years. And I'm not gonna date myself to our listeners, but uh, you know, it's been, I don't know, five, six years since we worked together. And just uh, truth be told, so everyone knows, uh, I used to work for Jen back in the days at a carrier. And those are good times, would you agree or? Favorite team member. That's <laughs> <Yes, laughs> right, well you say that now. Um, so when we start talking about FinTech or financial tech, uh, how do you define it as a category? Because you know I'm a newbie, and it could be anything. It could be, as you said, like you know, utilizing a mobile wallet. It could be, iPay. You know, how do you? What's what's in the category?
1: So it's it's really broadened. I think originally it was making a payment or tapping right. your phone. Now it's really encompassing a whole variety of areas that are not only reinventing the back office of of banks and financial institutions, Mm. but also the consumer front-end use cases. So the way that the industry is now looking at fintech and the way it's defined, it's a real range um, from lending to blockchain, crypto, regtech, personal finance, payments, capital markets, wealth management, obviously money transfer, and even um, insurance. So some would break out insuretech a little bit separately, but broadly speaking, there's an incredible amount of innovation happening even within insurance and and making payments yeah, so that's related a, to that's a, that's a
0: lot of uh, categories or subcategories. And so at, at Kesnay, you do you focus on any one of them, or are they all of them? Like what like is there a specific like, expertise that you guys bring to the table and looking at those subcategories?
1: Yeah, we have focused mainly on sort of the B2B side of financial technology. So uh, examples are things like um, financial inclusion, making mobile payments easier, um, responsible saving, lending. Uh, One of the entrepreneurs that we've worked with um, through our female founders in fintech program that we run, which we can talk a little bit about. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, one of the winners of our competitions uh, is a company called Goal Setter. And that entrepreneur started the company to really try to teach parents, have help them teach their children responsible saving. I love that. Um, so it's a company called Goal Setter and it's a financial education with a little bit of gamification to make it interesting for uh, millennials' smart. children. Uh, that's just one example. We're really trying to help uh, financial institutions and insurance carriers identify and evaluate the right fintechs or checks to help basically bridge uh, a technology or skill set gap. And so um, you'll see companies um, like a Wells Fargo, for example, mm. start to acquire more and more fintechs over time because they really are identifying um, the consumer needs. Are changing, but also even on the B two B commercial side.
0: So, so let's talk about that a little more because I think that's interesting. Because working in an enterprise based company, we're always looking at kind of solutions, platforms, backend systems that usually start on the consumer side, and then you know based on happenstance or whatever, they're now labeled kind of this enterprise solution. Like has that, how has that worked in fintech? Has it worked in fintech? Like how has it moved from consumer to enterprise?
1: Yeah, if you go way back, actually, the beginning of fintech was really um, technology that was deployed to um, help back-end systems of established financial institutions. Mm. So it actually started originally way back, really on the enterprise side. So it's almost shifting the other way, but now we're seeing, I guess you could say, a kind of combination of B2B, B2C, where you have um, dozens of challenger banks that are now Deployed in live, that are digital only, banking platforms. 100% digital. Yes. Wow. And so there are companies like N26 who has raised several hundred million dollars. Um, there are now um, dozens of challenger banks, and they're offering traditional services but um, with a digital focus and a um, a mobile centric approach. And, and it's
0: because they've got lower costs essentially. There's 100% in the cloud. Just no. There's no retail brick and mortar. The way I think of it, is that how they compete?
1: Yeah, there's yeah, there's no physical footprint in most cases. Um, I would say a lot of the uh, focus is consumer first. So what does the consumer want to do? They want to be able to move money the way they want, when they want, and not be charged um, exorbitant fees, but also integrate their lifestyle. So if you're a, a gig economy worker, you might have different needs in terms of insurance and banking. Right. You might have a full-time job at Panasonic, but you also might have a a side job, and that's become a lot more common. And so, banks are not addressing those needs as as quick as the challenger, the new uh, fintechs coming. That's online. a great use
0: case: the gig economy and how that's transformed. And from like a, a, a traditional banking experience, I wasn't even thinking about that.
1: Yeah, and there's some really interesting insure techs popping up as well that are. Um, enabling point-in-time insurance. So maybe you're an aspiring actor, you're an Uber driver, but you're also teaching. Well, you might have different banking payments, insurance needs, Mm. and you might also travel a couple times a year. So you might need travel insurance. So there are a number of different uh, financial uh, uh, tech startups that are trying to really think about consumer-first use cases versus pushing traditional services onto Um, existing customer segments.
0: And that sounds like it's a pretty good strategy, consumer first, right? Use case first.
1: It sounds obvious, but (laughs) but it it does take time to think about it, pause, actually ask customers what they want, and then create a mobile experience or digital experience around that versus saying, I have a lending product that I want to sell to you because you're a millennial or a woman or whatever the case may be. So it's really changing, I think, for the better. I think customers will benefit in the end.
0: I think that totally makes sense. And as a, Product manager, I totally get that, even though I don't do it 100% of the time, thinking of what that end use case actually is, the need, as opposed to, hey, I've got a product, I'm going to sell it, and we know how that's worked out.
1: Yeah, and I think um, what's funny is a lot of these fintechs, they're not creating new products, they're just delivering them in a much more consumer-centric way. So if you look at Acorns, which is a really uh, slick savings and debit card application, uh, that was developed um, by non-financial uh, by non-bankers, really, and uh, they now have five million customers with over a billion dollars of assets under management, and they're a brand new company, oh a few years old, and they didn't reinvent ETFs and and savings and debit cards. But they've done a really great experience, created a really great experience um, on a mobile first application. And they've also integrated really great uh, benefits and um, affiliate marketing opportunities for someone who is. Spending in a certain uh, within certain brands and online retailers, and obtaining a savings benefit by by shopping. That is some locations. serious growth.
0: That's I mean, is that over a period of time, I hope, or is this a like, lot? Yeah,
1: this is. Um, gosh, I guess maybe about five years, but that's
0: that's still pretty impressive.
1: Very impressive.
0: Of all these categories that you look at, where do you see the most growth from your perspective?
1: I mean, definitely um, the amount of uh, venture capital money that <laughs> has come online right. is an indication. Um, so, if you can believe it, there are already 41 fintech unicorns in the market today, globally. 41. That means each one of those being defined as a unicorn is that they're privately held and worth over a billion dollars. Wow. And in aggregate, they're valued at 154 billion dollars. And this is a recent oh my phenomenon. God. Um, I think that the consumer awareness is really is driving change. Um, the EY Global FinTech uh, Index finds that over uh, 64% of global consumers actually use FinTech products already. So definitely consumer adoption is growing. I think categories specifically that I, I think are interesting are areas like financial inclusion, financial uh, literacy, um, a lot of new wealth tech coming online. So how do you integrate... AI and automation with a robo-advisor, but then also use those tools um, with a, a human advisor as well. Right. So it's not an either-or. So I think we're seeing a lot of interesting solutions there. And then, as I mentioned, um, in insurance. So whether it's um, pet, small business, pet insurance. consumer, health, life, auto, uh, property and casualty, these are really interesting times. And oh they're really... God new products coming online that are addressing these new um, audience segments versus um, painting everyone with the same brush. So I think InsureTech is particularly interesting. And so
0: do you have a favorite? Is it InsureTech? Or is there one that you had to hang your hat and say, Jen, tell me one, one that you're going to
1: really stick with? Like, I like the entrepreneurs that are solving um, a two-prong problem where they can drive uh, financial benefit for the company, but also teach or inform Um, many uninformed, um, I guess, financially illiterate folks, um, which is fairly common. So I think that notion of education, that dual bottom line sort of social impact plus um, driving um, financial reward is, I think, the most interesting. So Goal Setter was one example. We have um, amazing entrepreneurs that have applied through our female founder FinTech program that are enabling small business loans in countries like Ghana. Um, You have uh, income conductor who won this past competition and that's really reinventing wealth management. Um, So we see an incredible range of solutions and over the next couple of years, I think quite a few of them will be acquired or they'll merge. I think we'll start to see probably a lot more consolidation in the next couple of Mm -hmm. years since there hasn't been all that much to date. So those are some of the areas that we find pretty interesting. I think that's great. Yeah,
0: it sounds like you'll be busy for a long time. I do want to go back to the female founders in fintech. I think that's important. So so what is that? Is it a consortium? Is it something you started? Or, you know, tell us about that.
1: So we, um, in 2017, uh, after running a series of innovation competitions, noticed that the vast majority of our applicants, the startups that were applying online, were male. So we reviewed the diversity issue within finance and insurance. And we also looked at the lack of funding being made available to women entrepreneurs. Mm. It remains 2.2% of venture capital funding. And so we looked at the technology gap, the funding gap, but then also the lack of diversity within traditional incumbent uh, financial institutions and insurance carriers. So we thought, well, what if we launched an innovation challenge that overlaid inclusion and diversity in the program. So that's how we launched female founders in FinTech and InsurTech. And those programs are now three years old. We are running um, each one of those separately now on a global basis, reaching 40 countries. We have found over 115 women-led InsurTechs or FinTechs per program, and we invite them to apply. And we have our incredibly supportive sponsors back the programs who then coach, mentor, and provide um, visibility and opportunities to help them scale up their fintech or insure tech. I think that's So great. it's an it incredible really program. We've seen amazing entrepreneurs come through and they've gone on to do incredible things. They're raising more capital because of the support. They're getting opportunities to run uh, POCs and pilots with the banks and the insurers that we work with. Um, currently, Wells Fargo, Discover, And Valley Bank are our sponsors of Female Founders Fintech. And they um, have been incredibly supportive, not just um, as a financial sponsor, but really dedicating their time to help women scale their businesses. And as luck would have it, the application period is actually open right now. So if we know any women-led fintechs, um, they should apply online by November 18th. And I think the easiest way maybe to direct um, listeners would be to check out um, our Twitter feed, I guess, at Kesney Inc. Um, that might be the easiest way. Or go to kesneys.com, which is Q-U-E-S-N-A-Y-S.com. Um, not the easiest name <laughs> <laughs> to sound out. Um, but they would have until November 18th to apply. And after that time, we would have um, experts from around the world uh, score the applications. The top five are then selected They then receive mentorship and coaching um, on topics like regulatory implications of your business, how to scale up working with an incumbent, um, financial literacy, financial planning, um, all really great tips that our um, subject matter experts bring to the program. And then we will run a final event on February 5th in New York, um, where we will have the top five finalists present and the top three will be chosen and um, awarded not only a monetary prize, but other support. And we continue to support the women founders, regardless if they uh, win or lose, so to speak. Right. Because no one really loses um, by being in the program. So um, we'd love to see you there on February 5th in New York. So That's
0: to our listeners. You have the actual invite. So uh, do the CTA on that. So my favorite question, my last question, what about your job that you love? Is there something that sticks out? Anything that really resonates with you?
1: Yeah, I think it's actually relevant to what we were just covering. I mean, being able to work, um, drive partnerships between incumbent institutions and the fintechs and insurtechs of the world, especially underrepresented entrepreneurs, that's really gratifying. And to see them, for example, one of our early sponsors, um, Reinsurance Group of America, they actually invested um, within, I think it was within three months, they invested in our very first winner of the program. Is that normal? Uh, No, that is not normal. I was that's super quick. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Um, And these entrepreneurs really um, are inspiring and they're working hard and they're really changing customer experiences for the better. And then to see them partner with our, um, our corporate clients is really, really exciting to see. So, we're actually going to take the Female Founder Program into mobility in Q1. So that's the next sector that we're going to work on, and mobility obviously being relevant um, to you guys. But um, the way we're defining mobility is really trying to help women that have solutions in transit, um, all things moving people, moving things. Think about IoT, smart cities, multimodal transportation. There's a lot of innovation happening in that space. And there also happens to be a lack of diversity in that arena. Yeah, so hence we're taking the female founders program into the mobility sector in Q1. Well, so. so that means
0: one thing we get to have you back. I mean, it's not just me saying it because I used to work for you, but we should. And <laughs> that's important. Yeah. I have to say, well, and so Jen, I just want to say, thanks for coming. It's been great having you. Um, we're out of time, but uh, we're going to see you again soon. And that's it for us. I'm Barry Ross. And that was another episode of rugged rants. Tune into new episodes and hear from fellow co-hosts, Susan Campbell or Craig Jakowski on a whole range of topics. Each a tough and bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes.